to enter the elf tree. Hi there, world. Hi there, everybody. I'm Ian. And I'm Joe. And we, uh, another episode older, another episode wiser. Yeah, always. I, I'm actually a year older and you a year wiser too. as of a couple of days Shake ago. Shake hands. Man. Happy birthday. Yeah, hey, Happy man, birthday. We're, in the, we're in the threes yeah. uh, together. I'm, I'm glad to, to have made that it's, step. It's a weird transition. And I know yeah. I asked you on Three Movie Goes if you felt any different being right. 30, but right. it's, a, it's a mental difference. You kind of remember I mean, like, oh, I, the 20s were such a great time. But I, do, I do feel different. I mean, not like on a day-to-day basis. Because, I mean, it was Friday night to Saturday, you know, so there wasn't much that difference. But, I mean, I'm definitely different than I was last The physical days were no different. Right, right. You know, I didn't, like, wake up with 20 extra gray hairs and, like, (laughs) two extra wrinkles and suddenly need to go to bed by 1030 every night. Well, I mean, you know. But it's a mental difference, you know, when you think about it. It's like, remember when you just turned 20? It was such a big deal. You're like, I'm no longer a teenager. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, no, exactly. That's the thing. Like... I haven't experienced that kind of a transition until then, you know, since then, um, you know, 19 into 20, I was, uh, just, I was in college. This was my senior year of college is what it was. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had still very, a very structured kind of life, you know, there was nothing like 30. Um, and I, I mean, I'm definitely different than this year than I am when I was last year, like turning 29 was totally different. Life is so strange. I, I like thinking of age and thinking of time. It, it's always like, cause you can think back and we've talked about this, but you can think back when you were 15, right? Yeah. And all the things you were doing. And it's so yeah. trippy to just think of that time versus, whoa, I'm already like, you couldn't even imagine being 30 years old. Like, Not I couldn't 15. remember that. Yeah. No, no. Oh. Well, that, I did try and imagine the other day. Okay. So I'm, I'm 30. Um, next like the next time I double my life, I'll be 60. So what in the, what in the world am I going to create between now and 60? Like this is act two of my yeah. life, <laughs> you know, and then 60 to 90, I'll call that act three and that'll be the fun times. He just, all he did was make rocking chairs for the rest of his life. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Man, I love me some rocking chairs. Yeah, you do. You have an amazing rocking chair. I do. It's yeah. a, it's a 75 year old, like, you know, kind of antique, original, all that's original, you know, workings and spring, you know, formations. Cause it's not like spring springs. It's, 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 it's a great, it's a great designed. It's a, yeah, it's a very well-designed chair. Yeah. You kind of sit in it and all the, each spring kind of encases your, your ass. It it cushions Uh. (laughs) you the way that it's supposed to, you know, like it, 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 it holds you rather than just softens your ass sitting on a hard cradles you, you know, no, but it's true. I mean, it's a good word. It's a great design for, I mean, for being done in the early 1900s, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Something like that. I mean, well, but it's a creepy chair. It's got a little bit of creepiness to it. Thirties. It's, it's rustic. It's, it's got definitely got the darker woods and kind of Mm -hmm. the darker upholsteries and stuff like that. But it, you know, for me, it was about the feel of the chair. And I, I love a good rocking chair. You Do you know, think anyone's rocked a baby in that chair? Oh, possibly. Do you think anyone's died in that chair? Not like Olivia Maybell. Oh, yeah. I knew you were not like there. that. I, well, you know, um, I, I got a, a, an article that I, I did want to share with with you, Joe, and and subsequently you, audience members. Yeah. Um, that you know, it just it, it caught my attention. I was looking today. I was kind of like, you know, what is there something that I can talk about on the show? 
Uh, and so I just browsed through Reddit, you know, like I want to do. And um, I ran across this story called The Man Who Got No Whammies. Does that, does that phrase make any sense to you? I've heard of uh, I've heard of the like when people play that this certain games or every like whenever you have a game night somebody in there is always gonna go no whammies no whammies yeah yeah but I don't I don't really know what it comes from what game it is exactly yeah yeah okay okay so um the the comes from a it comes from a CBS game show called uh, no not CBS excuse me an NBC game show called Press Your Luck big bucks no whammies stop stop it Oh, press your luck, dude! In the in the nineteen eighties, yeah, I mean in the nineteen eighties. But um, it's uh, this this article I read. It's on priceonomics.com. dot com, and it, it's it was it was a fascinating little read because it talks about this. Uh, well, it talks about this guy. I'll, I'll I'll you know what I'll go ahead and read read some of the opening paragraphs and cool. see if it kind of if it kind of dips your, yeah. your your balls. Oh in shit, the, I'm excited about this. For it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hold on, let me take off my pants. So okay. the man, right. the man who got no whammies, on May nineteenth, nineteen eighty four, before a live studio audience for the game show "Press Your Luck," a squirrely looking, gray bearded, thirty five year old named Michael Larson leapt from behind his podium and squealed with joy. This is the uh, that's the photo. That's the photo at the top of the article. You know, I mean, he's yeah, like he is super excited. He's got a, an absurd amount of money in front of him. Uh, for the contestant, the show's catchphrase "Big bucks, big bucks, no whammies" had just come to fruition. In an era where no single contestant had ever won more than forty thousand dollars. Not even those competing on the ever popular prices, right? A real fortune. So, no, uh, up to wow. this point, nobody's won more than forty thousand dollars on these game shows. And these shows have been going on for at least a decade, wouldn't you think? Wouldn't you think? I mean, uh, by the eighties, yeah. I mean, game shows. They have been TV on game shows since, since yeah. the sixties and seventies and stuff like that. So, All the I dudes mean, that would go up and like make out with the chicks on the yeah, show. Yeah, right. Yes, exactly. Man. Bob Barker. They did that shit back in the day. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Come here, baby. <laughs> You're my guest. <laughs> Gosh, we are so fucking Dude, sexist on this no, show. No, we're not. We're, we're fucking talking the obvious. But like, you know what? what? The hell wrong you know with what nobody can, can accuse us of is that hating women. I don't hate women. We I think women are the fucking yeah. the people who need the reins of the whole world right now. Proops the other day. I mean, he he just he laid it out there on Front Street, and he's like, "Look, these men, these people who are making these laws and blah 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 blah, hate women. Plain and simple, hate the idea of a woman, uh, and that's why that's why people are trying to control them. And and you know, I it it makes absolute sense. Yeah, you don't like to think that that's a reason that something like that is going on, but you know, maybe because you don't particularly. Yeah, uh, but it it certainly does not mean that the people who who stand to lose the most, you know, want to want to keep the things they don't, the people they don't understand at bay. Let's see. Uh, nobody's won more than forty thousand dollars, even on some of the big ones. Larson, this guy, thirty-five year old, Michael Larson, squirrely looking, gray bearded. Um, Larson had just earned one hundred ten thousand two hundred thirty-seven dollars. Oh shit! Which in two thousand fifteen would be equal to about two hundred fifty-three, two hundred fifty-three grand. Damn. 
you know. So it's kind of uh, in a in a time where nobody won more than forty. He almost he almost I mean he almost tripled it. We get a special call from the president of CBS thanking you for retiring uh, <laughs> as the uh, Hall of Fame all time winner on in the history of press your luck, Michael. And I understand. It's so long on time, it doesn't matter. Michael, I understand that you borrowed the money to get here. Yes, sir. You went to a thrift shop to buy a shirt to get on the show. 65 cents. 65 cents for a shirt. I'm sure anybody would give you the shirt off their back right now. Okay, now, Michael, I understand that yesterday was your daughter's birthday? Yes. What happened? I didn't have any money, really, to buy her anything. She's... She will get something now. Very nice. <laughs> but you have won at least, I think, three times more than anybody's ever won in the show. Congratulations. Spend it wisely and get your daughter a lovely birthday gift. Okay, thank you. It's been a real treat. Wow. You know, the, the most winnings. And in achieving this, he'd overcome insurmountable odds. Or had he? Oh. That's exactly. Oh, shit. And I, I, I was incorrect again. It's not Just NBC. Just tell me it's not it, whammies. It was CBS. Um, while CBS in while CBS executives in the control room looked on in horror and disbelief, Larson harbored a secret. He'd cracked the code of press your luck. Oh. For months, he'd studied the show's game board, which lit up squares in supposedly random sequences. I don't know if you've seen this. You know, they pop up and it's like, oh. you know, those kinds of a, of a recording you know, thing. He did. Um, he supposedly random sequence and found that in actuality, he was repeating the same five patterns over and over again. What ensued was a one day was what ensued was one of daytime television's most strange moments, one that exposed the follies of both man and technology. So yes, essentially, this is a story about the man who who beat he beat this game and and he he kind of studied it. But he's not necessarily just a smart man. So it's almost like uh, card counting and going to Vegas and being able to like sit down at the poker table and all of a sudden they're like, this guy's counting cards. Get him the fuck out of here. He's- See, but counting cards is cheating when you're playing a game of that. I mean, it, I, but it's I, I not it really, considered- if you have the brains to understand what you have and what everyone else has in their hands, yeah, that's game on. Like, you should be able to do that. Like, what's the 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 line in the sand? Is you know, you're just not supposed to know that. Well, I guess. I guess. No. I mean, that. I suppose you're right. In principle, that's that shouldn't be any any wrong. It's like a magician who knows his trick is luck, not right. real is trying to force people to believe it's actually real. Yeah, that's not fair. Yeah. You know, I don't know. If somebody can figure out your trick, you know, you it's they they figured it out. It's some genius you know? ass shit, dude. Oh well, yeah, that's I so mean, cool. So he recorded. How many episodes do you think you had to record? Let's see. Well, a lot. Um, I'm just I'm trying to I'm trying to you know kind of go through and and you know constrict this article. Oh yeah, because yeah. it's a little long. No, um, I like it. Keep going. It's great. <laughs> the big board was made up of uh, this is just a section about the board made up of 18 backlit squares, each containing a constant rotation of various cash and item prizes, as well as a selection called a whammy. When a player spin began, the selector light rapidly bounced around the squares, lighting them up in a seemingly random sequence. <laughs> the player would then choose when to slam down a big red button, stopping the board. Whichever square was lit dictated the player's fate. So, I mean, we, we've all seen, by now, we've all seen these kind of game shows. We kind of know how this thing works. You know, you, you know, it goes around, push the button, and it stops. And you either, you know, you either win a bunch of money in prizes, you win, like, an extra spin, or you hit the whammy, and it, like, bankrupts. And you it's go like, sit the fuck down. It's like on Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, we know it's when what that that noise is like. You the know. studio people are all excited because you lost, and everyone in the audience is disappointed because they right they don't have to give you money, shoes. and they just got a bunch of good free television. <laughs> you know, I um, wouldn't pick that one. 
So yeah, I mean, it, it it had all sorts of like cash prizes and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and this gentleman, uh, he kind of figured it out. Let's see. Um, of the big boards, fifty four outcomes, eighteen squares with three rotating options each. So eighteen across, and then, you know, with each different thing, the board would change and everything. Except it's it's five patterns. Oh, it's it's five patterns is what. But what how often is. does it repeat? Like it'll go through the five and then it'll just change up and repeat those five, or does it interchange the five? It's the it's the patterns. That's the thing. It's um, so no, it can't. It doesn't necessarily correctly randomize everything. But I mean, out of out of eighteen squares with three separate sets of eighteen squares, you have like fifty four outcomes of an individual mm-hmm. landing on any particular, you know. Uh, panel. Yeah. And so gotcha, gotcha. There were out of those 54 outcomes, nine of them were whammies, which means that the odds of any uh, on any given spin of a player getting a whammy, the odds were one in six. Oh. So Damn. every sixth roll, you've got very high odds that you're going to hit a whammy and you're going to you're going to just uh feel bad about lose yourself. everything, right? So the whole premise of the game is you take your first spin, you win some money, and then you can either pass the rest of your spins on to your compo- your your uh, uh, competitor, or you can press your luck and continue on. See if you <sighs> get more money or uh, or get the whammies or whatever. Yeah. You know. Um. So, in uh, let's see. So was it a bad thing to have someone like when someone was passing it on? Did the person that was receiving it always just like fuck? I'm gonna. Well, get I mean, it's it's no, not necessarily because it's all in the person's. It's all in the person's reaction too, because they're. It's not all random. They are choosing when it stops. Gotcha, gotcha. So you know they get the opportunity to kind of. You blame yourself at that point if you gotcha, land on a whammy, yeah. you know. So, gotcha. Um, over the first few episodes of this show, the average winnings hovered around fourteen thousand dollars. Oh. So I mean, it was nice it was you know people were making a, a a good chunk, but you know not not life changing. I mean, you could chill at home for several months for sure. Yeah. Uh. Michael Larson was never interested in following the rules. The youngest of four boys, he was born in 1949, somewhere between Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio. Um, by middle school, he established a lucrative on enterprise, smuggling candy bars into his gym class and selling them <laughs> at a considerable markup. He's in middle school here. Uh, while tenacious and intelligent, he was always looking for quick cash, an easy way to get rich. Did it say what kind of candy bar? No, it doesn't. It it says it doesn't. It says his older brother James said he didn't understand the value of good, honest work. He thought those people were fools. I mean, he's kind of got a point. I mean, what a what a fucking hustler. Yeah, I mean, he spent a lot of time seeking out loopholes. Like at one in one instance, he found a bank that's willing to give out five hundred dollars for starting new checking accounts. So he goes. And using fake names, he opened dozens of accounts, waited the minimum necessary duration, and then withdrew the free five hundred dollars. Wow! Because he's not—he's not—that's not illegal. It's almost like getting a what student loan. Doing. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. He also uh, once registered a business under a family member's name, hired himself as an employee, then fired himself to collect unemployment. Ah, oh, what a genius! It's a loophole, dude. I mean, it is. You know, I will. I will. Uh, I will say that I have taken advantage of the legalities of the unemployment benefits and the unemployment services. And it's, it's there for those kinds of people. So if he found an even better loophole by which he can fake hire, it's not even fake. Cause he, he really did create the company. He really did hire himself. He hired his really culpa. did fire himself. You know, I mean, he did, he really did these things. And so technically on paper, 
he wow. qualified. He qualified for these unemployment benefits and he got them. I mean, good, good Using for him. The system. You know, more power to him. So, um, after determining, okay, so at a certain point, he became obsessed with some of these game shows. He's like, I know that I can beat one of these game shows. So he had an entire wall of 25-inch television stacked up on top of one one another, recalled his then-girlfriend. Um, he watched them all at once, and it got so hot that the paint peeled off the wall. So think oh, about it. I mean, his whole, damn. you think it gets hot in here with your recording equipment? Like, this guy had an entire wall of these tube televisions in 1984. So much so that the paint is, like, peeling off the walls. It probably looks like a cracked in in there. Dude, that's... He's got Cheeto dust everywhere. <laughs> um, Asbestos. After, after determining that more popular daytime game shows like The Price is Right and Wheel of Fortune were unhackable, Larson began to focus on a relative newcomer, Press Your Luck. So using the VCR, he recorded f- he recorded episodes. For 18 hours a day, he sat perched in front of the screens, analyzing every spin of the big board, frame by frame, looking for the pattern. <laughs> yeah, right. Then incredibly, he found one. After six months of scrupulous examination, six months, he's done this, he does this for 18 hours a day for six months. Was his girlfriend still with him? I don't know, dude. I don't even know. <laughs> Larson realized that the random sequences on Press Your Luck's big board weren't random at all, but five but rather five looping patterns that would always jump between the same squares. The same squares. That's, it's, that's just, it's, that's unbelievable. You Whoever know, designed a, that Here's game. a quick chart. I'll put this up on the website, but this is a quick chart of the different squares and all of their possible, you know, uh, monetary outcomes. You know, 18, 18 squares, three options apiece. Yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. So it kind of gives you an idea. You can win 3,000 plus, 5,000 plus. No, no, those pluses, uh, those pluses indicated you win that amount of money plus a free spin. You don't want those whammies, though. You did not want the whammies. And there are certain ones. But again, they're always going to be in the same place. It's not like the whammies move. It's not like the whammy, you know, if you know when a whammy pops up in this square, it's always going to pop up in that square. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he went and figured this out and there are a couple that are the big money makers. Like square four has the options of 3000, 4000 and 5000 plus free spins. And number eight has 500, 750 and a thousand plus the spins. Those are, those were crucial for him. So he was just fucking nailing them. (laughs) Yes, exactly. They were, those of, those were crucial for him. Nice. Um, so he was pretty excited. He was ready to go. Like he, he went and he auditioned, he convinced the the producers of the show that he was just, I mean, cause he was, he, at the time he was, uh, I think he believed he was repairing ice cream trucks or driving ice cream trucks or something like wow. that. So, I mean, he was an ice cream truck driver for, from Dayton, Ohio. So like, you know, they let him on. Um, so he goes on, this is like his, his, <laughs> his day of filming. Let's see. This is, uh, May 19th, 1984. This is before I was born. But you were born. You were around. I was about a year. Yeah, 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 you were around. On the day of filming, Larson arrived early, dressed in a cheap suit jacket and shirt he'd bought for 65 cents at his thrift store. He exuded the intense confidence of a man preparing to go into battle. His competitors, Ed Long, a Baptist minister, and Jane Littress, a dental assistant, were completely oblivious to their impending doom. Um, When the show's host, Pete Tomarkin, Tomarkin, Asked Larson what he did for a living. His response was self-assured. I drive an ice cream truck in the summer, and I hope to win enough money today to not have to do that. <laughs> That's what he said. 
So he got off to a rocky start. Asked, pre- uh, you know, asking all sorts of questions. You know that the 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 way the game kind of gets played. You ask a question, and depending on your answers, you get a certain number of spins, and then you roll. You know, you do the you, the spinning of the board. So he okay. The Rocky start on the very first question. Here's the question. You've probably got President Franklin D. Roosevelt in your pocket or purse right now because his likeness is on the head is on the head side. Hmm. What's the what do you think the answer to that question is? Uh, I'll read it again. You've probably got President Franklin D. Roosevelt in your pocket or purse right now because his likeness is on the head side. It'd be a. Uh is that a silver dollar or quarter? It's a dime. dime. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so it's yeah, a it's a dime. Anyways, it's, it's a it's a coin. So uh, Larson buzzed prematurely and yelled, "The fifty dollar bill." <laughs> the correct answer was, of course, a dime. So for the remainder of the question round, he sat silently with a perplexed look on his face. Eventually, he finished with three spins, putting him last place between behind Long's four and Litris's ten. Oh. So he already has this this rocky start in this game that he's supposed to be dominating. You know, he's he's going there like knowing he's going to win. Since he'd come in last, the rules dictated the Larson spin first. This did not go well. On his very first spin on the board, what do you think he got? A thousand. Oh, he got a whammy. Oh, son of but, a I bitch. But I mean, he got nothing. That's the thing. He didn't have anything. So he's got three spins. He hits a whammy on his first one. However, he quickly recovered, hovering his hands just above the buzzer. He intently watched the light travel around the board, and recognizing the patterns, he hit square four, 1250, on his second and third spins. Still, at the end of round one, Larson sat in last place with $2,500. So, after round one, he's got $2,500. That's, you know, that's definitely not, you know... It's not what he came there to to win. He wanted to quit his ice cream job, and that's not going to cut it. That's true. (laughs) It's just not. In round two, Larson came to life. During the second question round, he managed to correctly answer three questions, bumping his total spins up to seven. Since he sat in last place, he spun again first. With his first two spins, he landed on square four, earning him $4,000 and $5,000. Oh, shit. Then, over ten, ten ensuing spins, he proceeded to rack up $29,351 in winnings without hitting a whammy. Dang. That's almost twice what anybody up prior to this point had had won. So everyone's freaking out right now. Uh, well, uh, the audience roared with excitement, yet Larson seemed unsure of himself. While he was aiming to hit squares four and eight, he missed his mark four times during this period of play, unintentionally landing on number seven, a trip to Kauai, number 17, Aww. which was $700 in a spin, number six, which is twenty two fifty, and number seven again. This time he won a sailboat. <laughs> so he's like winning all these cash, these prizes. Um, but he's his his goal is to hit four and eight consistently every time because they've got the best prizes and they all come with uh, extra spins. No whammies. Yeah, yeah. So here's the the there's another uh, another list here where it's got all of the the total uh, the total spins this guy took um, throughout the entire game. Um, I won't go through, I won't go to the, the, the final price yet, but it's, uh, it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, let's see. During Larson's rally, Tomerkin, the show's host, grew increasingly nervous. He quips graduated, his quips graduated from shock, uh, to disbelief. So he, he, he was saying initially, it was kind of like, we've never seen this happen. You're on a roll. Oh my God, blah, blah, blah. And then it turned to disbelief and it's like. This is unreal. 
Like he's just being like, I, I literally cannot believe this. He's a robot. Yeah. To utter disgust. He goes, you know, by the end of it, he's like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, are we fucking serious? <laughs> this is this guy's like rolling and rolling and rolling. The board game maker's sitting on the side going, fuck. Once Larson hit the $30,000 mark, the host started pressuring the contestant to bow out. He said, Michael, you are really pressing your luck. He warned at one point, wagging a finger in the air. After the show, you're going to get a special call from the president of CBS. I mean, oh. he's like talking to him. He's like, oh, my God, dude, you're going to get a special call from the president of CBS if you keep going on like this. Oh, you know, it was, all like, a, this it was money like an uplifting thing? It wasn't like no, a, no, a warning? Was, yeah, I mean, it really was because it's like he even he knows. He's like, Ooh. shit, this, there's something weird going on, but I can't like call him out on this because we have a live studio audience here and we're on, you know, taking so – they didn't know all of the executives in the back. So I'm going to be passive aggressive to you. Yeah. Finally, 40 successful spins and $102,851 later, Larson passed his final three spins to Ed Long, fearing that he was beginning to lose focus. On his very first spin, Long hit a whammy and lost all of his cash. When the spins were passed to Litrus, she too hit a whammy on her first try. In hopes that Larson would screw up and lose his cash, she then passed the spins back to him. But Larson did not falter. Instead, he landed on 4750 and a trip to the Bahamas. When the game ended, Larson raised his arms in triumph and minuted a primal scream. He'd secured 104950 in cash and a sailboat and two all-inclusive trips, which brought his total winnings to $110,237. Dang. In 1984. What a badass. I mean, so he took that home. He he did definitely take that home. I mean, this guy, like, he won. He played the system, you know, and and the the guys at CBS are freaking out. I mean, they're all in the back, and they don't know what is going on. It said, um, this is a quote from Darlene Liebich-Temsen. Liebich? Liebich. L-I-E-B-L-I-C-H. Liebich? Liebich. Darlene Liebich-Temsen. Uh, was in the prices ride. As a CBS employee, it was her job to ensure the contestants were playing by the rules. In an interview with This American Life, she recalled the mounting tension backstage. It wasn't unusual for contestants to go on streaks. It was kind of the way the game was designed. But after about 10 spins of the board, it started to become obvious that he was hitting the same prize in the same square every time. And that was skill. It's not random. And it's not luck. He could aim and hit, which we didn't think was possible. First, the booth got very quiet. Then there was an, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, what do we do? People were turning to me saying, can we stop this? Like, they did not know what to do. They're, f- I mean, shitting their, themselves right It now. was live. It's, you got to go. It's, uh, see, I don't know about live. Well, it was probably it was, like 3 was, o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the guy was playing a game, and seemingly he was playing the game. He wasn't cheating the game. He wasn't, he hadn't fixed the game. Oh, those are golden moments. It's true. I wish I wish uh, I wish I could see it. Um, statistically, it was extremely unlikely that Larson had simply gotten lucky. Given the one in six odds of hitting a whammy, the probability of going 45 spins in a row, 45 spins in a row without hitting one whammy. Except for was, his first one, right? Was well, right. But so he, went he went 45 spins in a that, row yeah. after that. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Um, the the odds are. are Point zero two seven percent. Larson had beat odds roughly three out of ten thousand. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. Those were those were what he played. 
Larson. So yeah, they didn't see anything illegal. They couldn't. They they couldn't do anything. They could just stand by and helplessly watch him dominate the show. So everyone in the control booth was like, "Hope you guys enjoyed working here. You guys want some cookies? <laughs> some cookies? How's the show going?" They just came in from the break room. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> After Larson's win, the big board was reprogrammed. Its five random patterns were expanded to 32, and the control panel was replaced by a PC running a far superior randomizer. So it was a uh, it was very much analog equipment, analog you know kind of circuit boards and stuff that were creating it last time. So I'm sure it was a lot easier to for somebody to just notice that pattern, and uh, you know it definitely would not happen now. I mean, that well. It makes you wonder, though. It's like it's on a computer, you know? It's some sort of programmed thing. So, yeah, you've got to... I guess back in the day, they didn't really have that much diversity in that stuff. They just kind of got lazy with it. I don't yeah. even know. I don't yeah. even know. Yeah, yeah. Um, this, the, the, the kind of final section I'll read right now is uh, it's called The Champion's Downfall. Ooh. Uh, newly minted with around $90,000 in post-tax earnings, Larson initially indicated that he was ready to turn his life around and be more responsible. Um, but a few months later, while listening to the radio, Larson heard about a contest he just couldn't resist. He, the show read a serial number on air every day. And if a listener could match that number to a $1 bill, he would win $30,000. So Larson went and visited five different banks withdrawing nearly 50 grand in $1 bills. Then over the course of two course of two weeks, he analyzed every bill in hopes of winning. A match never came, and Larson, who'd grown lazy by then, resolved to just leave the bills in his home. This didn't work out too well. One night, he left to, to a Christmas party and came home to a kicked-in back door. Then all his money was gone. Wow. Yeah. I mean, this that's literally what happened. This was the beginning of Larson's downward spiral. Teresa DeWhitney, which was the, the girlfriend, ter- then Larson's common-law wife, recalls then that aggression mounted to such a level that she feared for her life. She fled with her children and demanded Larson leave her house. So, I mean, this guy who... Lost his shit. Who, uh, he won. He, he had it. He did, he did what every American imagines they would do, is go onto a game show and dominate. And he did it through hard work. I mean, he he was not one to to really put in a whole lot of hard work and physical labor. I mean, he played the game like a like a Super Bowl champion. He practiced. He yes, was in you're the, right. He was under pressure, nonetheless. Even though he knew the system, he was still under the pressure of the game and his own emotions. Yeah, it's badass. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's some hero ass shit he did. Yeah, so. except for the whole putting yeah. that much money in your house. Yeah, well, right, exactly. Um, so I'll, you know, I'll put a, put a link to that, that article on the website. Dude, that's, that's what, what's he doing now? He's, uh, you know what? I don't know that it's, let me, let me, let me look at the, yeah, uh, we should see what he may like, he started a small business with Beachbody and he became a Beachbody coach. He turned his whole life around. Now he's actually Tony Horton. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Sorry. Uh, eventually Larson moved to Dayton, Ohio, where he assumed his role, uh, a role as an assistant manager at Walmart. 
but this didn't last long. He grew disillusioned with his minimal pay and after meeting another woman, launched his next venture, a massive Ponzi scheme. Oh, God. Oh, no. He's massive going Ponzi dark. scheme, right. Under the name Pleasure Time Incorporated, Larson sold shares in a non-existent American Indian lottery, and by the mid-1990s, he'd managed to cheat 20,000 investors out of $3 million. With the SEC, IRS, and FBI hot on his tail, he fled to Ohio and disappeared into the void. When investigators finally tracked Larson to Apopka, Florida in 1999, he'd succumbed to throat cancer. So. So he's dead. He's dead. He is. Uh, we should write a fucking movie on this guy. He talks like this. Dude, we should make this a movie. Like literally find a, like, could you imagine seeing this as a feature film? And it's legitimately pull out the old set, build the whole old set and do the whole show. I mean, literally step back in time, just walk through this guy's life like a Forrest Gump style. Well, I mean, there was a there was a movie called, I want to say it might have been called Radio Show. I think it had Ray Fiennes in it. It was great. Um, was it this? Kind of, and not this specifically, but kind of, yes. It was, a, it was about a radio show that uh, a guy was, I think they were cheating is the thing. You know, there were, there were things like that. So, so it was, it was definitely made. It's a kind of a period piece. It's in black and white, I believe again. Oh yeah. You could do this in like as a biography of this guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, it'd be a, it'd be a, a fictionalized story. No, no whammies. That's what you call it. I, oh, a biography, not a, not a documentary, like straight out of Compton. Oh yeah. That's what we would compare. Literally this to. film. Like take the story of Michael Larson is just like the story of, of <laughs> cube and Dre. <laughs> And NWA. I mean, it's like easy all over again. I mean, uh, dude, I mean. You're going to find out he's gay and then suffer from throat cancer. But what a, I mean, what a long. <laughs> I'm sorry, easy. What, I would love you, man. What a long chunk of a movie that would be just crazy seeing him like just flip the switch. Like which is on money. the was, show. Yeah. Well, no, like seeing the whole journey of his like. Just being this dude figuring it out, like the whole, like when you're picturing all these TVs stacked up and peeling yeah. the paint off, like you could literally make such a cool movie out of this whole yeah. spiel. Visually, it's just cool, but you know who we should get I to direct it? Spielberg. 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 Yeah, I mean, dude, that would make so a yeah, great film. That's that's the. It's not necessarily the origin of No Whammies, but everybody now, you when you hear somebody going No Whammies, No Whammies, No Whammies, you have. Uh, you have a party story to tell everybody, oh, you know, man. you're like drinking around. And you're like, actually, but well, let me tell you about this guy. I know. <laughs> you know I knew him well. He wore checkered suits. It was, uh, it was a squirrely looking gray bearded man, <laughs> 35 I mean, year old named Michael Larson. Who could play this? It was, what's his name? Who was at the, uh, last comedy show we saw? Dave Foley. Yeah. Dave Foley was in, uh, he played a Kids perfect character of this dude. Yeah, I've seen him at the uh, the grocery store by my house. Next nice. time, next time I see him, I'll be like, "Hey, man, hey, we have a movie." Oh, uh, you for think you. Dave Foley would play this guy? I could see him playing the guy. Yeah. Crazy. All right, <laughs> that might be fun. I think he'd kill it, dude. Yeah, yeah, he might do a pretty good job, actually, dude. He, uh, Dave Foley. Uh, did you ever watch From Earth to the Moon? No. It was an HBO miniseries, From the Earth to the Moon. Um, Dave Foley played Alan Bean from Apollo 12. Nice. And it was the first episode of this miniseries that I ever saw. I watched it on the way back from England one, one trip. Um, 
And it was fantastic. It was such a fun, loving episode about the crew of Apollo 12, like going to the moon and had a bunch of good rock music in it. These people were, this was a, it was a fun, fun episode. Nice. Uh, and Dave Foley was Al Bean. And that's, that's how I will always remember him. He's not, <laughs> I, I've never seen him in Kids in the Hall. I don't know a whole lot of what he's done, but he was Al Bean. And that made an impression on me too. Nice. So, you know, it was cool to see him up there at PodFest. Yeah, dude, he was great. He was he was pretty well reserved compared to everybody else. Yeah, yeah. He'd poke his head out every now and then. <laughs> he would, you know, but I mean, that's he's a he's a very funny guy. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of people rave about him, but you know, he sat he he did seem to to sit and observe and listen a little bit more yeah. than, than talk with her. I think it'd be a badass movie. I really do. Yeah, I, yeah. I, if you want to see the story of Michael Larson, we'll call it Whammy, bitch. Whammy bitch. That's that's what we're gonna call this 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 film we're gonna make. It's called, call and it'll it whammy be all bitch. about hashtag whammy bitch. <laughs> if you want to see this movie, tweet at us uh, and include hashtag whammy bitch. <laughs> totally professional. Yeah, I mean it's it's. Uh, Why are we like we got stuck in this whole horror scary tulpa world? Yeah, and now finding this creepy article that we did in the last episode talked about. Did you listen to it? Yeah, yeah. What did you think? It just I like hearing it back again. I mean, you'd had you'd had a beer, like we'd been drinking a beer. Yeah. Um and and we were kind of a bowl in. Yeah. You know, when when we were hearing the story again. I mean, did you read the story and did you like listen yeah, to the Yeah, I went again? back and I kind of looked through the blog even and I was just I don't know, it just kind of um I don't know. That's why we were able to sit down and, and hash out a lot of those ideas. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. But um it's a lot to digest because I don't really know what to make of it. I, it's creepy, you yeah. know. Uh, the story's creepy, but I definitely I like not knowing what happened in that story because yeah. that's what kind of essentially got us to be able to come up with ideas of like what do we think happened? You right, know? right, right. And well, so, the 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 thing about the tulpas is it's just such a I don't know it's something that horror movies are kind of based on, but I don't. I haven't ever watched a horror movie with the sense of, I know what she's created. I know the mysticism behind it and this and that and the other, like in Poltergeist. I mean, not that I've seen Poltergeist. Um, It's a good one. But I mean, I don't know the history and legends of what Poltergeist are um, in order to have some sort of context for that particular movie. For me, it's just going to be a horror movie about some freaky ass shit that I don't know about, you know, I mean, (laughs) which makes it freaky for me. That's that's what it is going to be. But this thing, like we kind of know a little bit about what the Tulpas are doing, you you know, what Mm -hmm. they, what they are. Um, and so to kind of run across that story was, was really, really eye-opening. Yeah. You know, that, I mean, I'm I'm excited. It's a fairly modern, you know, kind of thing that's, that's, that's a fairly modern um, reference, you yeah. know, for something, I don't know, for something in mysticism to like to be showing itself like that. Yeah, I, I don't right? know. I mean, that's the weird thing to me is like, how do people in today's modern society, like when they dig into like looking into ghosts and like what people like find at certain places, like in houses and this, like people worshiping different things. Yeah. It always just baffles me to think like, okay, this ancient literature that people are pulling from, you know, wherever they go find it from the internet or from a library or something to like do witchcraft things, which I don't know. I think about witchcraft. I think everybody that exists, you know, somehow participates in, in some sort of sorcery. Cause like when we use our words, when we talk, when we say things, yeah, you can affect someone's emotions, you can affect someone's behavior 
based on what you shoot out at them, like a wand, like Harry Potter. Like yeah. all they're doing is saying some fucking Latin word or something that we don't really get. Avada Kedavra. And then you point a wand and that person receives whatever energy you threw at them. So right. essentially it's interesting when people pull out these ancient texts and correlate them with like really weird shit that they were doing in their, you know, around their religious beliefs or right. whatever it was they were tapped into, I guess. For me, that it's... I'm, I'm mumbling, but you well, know Well, but I mean. Harry Potter, Harry Potter, that's why seeing the movies for Harry Potter was such a such an eye-opening thing for me because, I don't know, I, I always associate... Um, anything magical, anything legendary, any you know, with with another time, ancient time, yeah. you know, older times, and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't typically think of this kind of stuff happening in 2015, yeah, or 1994. You right. know, it's just, it's just kind of, you know, for me, and that may be, that may be ignorant on my part for not having that imagination that, of course, this shit's still going on today. But it's that's eye opening. I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, this stuff is still going on today. Like you keep saying, I mean, words have a magical, mystical power because they have meaning. They really and truly do mean something. But again, at the same time, they are just words and they can be, they can be defended against. They can be kind of manipulated by good and bad people. So, I mean, they're, they're just as much a tool as they are an, an unstoppable force. There was this whole like chunk missing in the Olivia Maybell story that yeah. we couldn't help but like run down the path of, well, then what the hell, what the hell do we think happened? Yeah, we could do this. I think we can do this. I think Martin needs to come on board a little bit. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Because he's, I mean, he's the whole reason I ever knew about Tulpas. He told me about Tulpas a year ago. Um, and then they just kind around of started the campfire? popping up. It was, it was around the, uh, the, the gas stove around the we gas were, <laughs> we were making hard boiled eggs, um, <laughs> green uh, eggs and ham, green eggs and ham. That would have been better. We had Thanks. bibs, we did, but lobster bibs, <laughs> lobster. um, the, uh, so, I mean, I, but plus he's a writer. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I've read a few of his different scripts, um, seen a couple of his short films and I mean, he writes for the PR company and I he loves he horror did. movies. So this would, this would be an amazing project. We should do a horror movie on, 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 uh, three movie goes. That'd be amazing. Like a, like a full on horror flick. Yeah. Which one should we do? I don't, I don't, I don't know. We should imagine. ask Martin. We should ask him what, uh, what his suggestions he's got. Dude, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That would have been really killer. good. That would have been really yeah. good. You know, it might be good actually. I, I, we should ask him what he thought of the remake. Did you see the remake? I did. I didn't really like it that much. Okay. All but, right. Um, all right. Then, the original one just was that. so random and, and unexpected. Yeah. They take you through this, like, you know, seven, these people from the seventies. Well, it was kind of an older movie, but. Um, there's just people hanging out in their own little video journal of traveling through Texas. And then all of a sudden it takes this twist and you have no idea, like it's about to happen this way. And I don't know. I just love that. It kind of, it freaked me out. Like that shit freaked me out. And he slams the door. Like he freaking hits the guy. And Oh yeah. Sorry. If you haven't seen that movie, I didn't mean to give any spoilers. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. It's a trippy film. It is a little bit. Uh, So yeah, that's why I think Martin would be really good for, for, you know, putting putting together this this film with us because because that's what we came here to do, right? We came well, yeah, here to do I mean, stuff, to you do guys, these kinds of things. But both of you guys know way more about movies than I do. I know, like, yeah, but I've got a lot of good put ideas. Together albums. I mean, this is right. just another project. It's just in a different toe in a different little pond, right? That's true. I mean, 
I mean, don't sell yourself short, dude. You've got fucking, you have your albums hanging on your wall, like professionally. <laughs> I mean, not in, not in like what? a narcissistic way, but like, yeah, you know, I, I mean, it's, I would be proud of that shit. You know, I, well, haven't, I, mean, I haven't gone that to that extreme yet. Not extreme. I haven't gone to those depths yet, you know, where I like mount my stuff. But dude, I would mount everything. Yeah, they're almost like little reminders like, yeah, don't forget that you know how to make something. So if yeah. you start giving up on something... Don't, we do. You know. That's just it. No matter what it is that we're making, yeah. we know how to make what we know what what we want to make. We've done it. Yeah. We know we've done it. That's why I'd like to put up. Uh, I'll a compose website. this film too. I'll I will compose the music for this. I don't short know. Film. We, we got to do it. We should we should talk about that though. I mean, you're not that great, are you? Ah, uh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you no, you've actually already scored a film, didn't you? You did the the what was it? The it was like a, I'm not even going to try because I don't remember what it was about. I didn't see it. Oh. Well, I mean, it's not like widely available, is it? No. It's not like something I could have seen on Netflix. I don't think so. Okay. All right. No. Yeah. No, no, it didn't. I don't think it came out. Yeah. I think was it's it like, a, a, wasn't it like a, a, a small town type of film? Yeah. It was like you a, know? it was a student film. I did this, I did my first feature in 2013. It was a student film that was basically about these kids that are at a, I guess they're a terrible baseball team and uh, they essentially... Um, there were a bunch, a group of friends in the small town. Uh, they shot this actually in my hometown too, which is interesting. Really? Mm-hmm. It was nice. trippy. That was the last time I was there. I was there. So wow. Yeah. Was I was on the set for one scene of the movie? Nice, nice. <laughs> but anyway, these kids uh, end up going to the baseball field at like midnight or something, and some meteor hits, and they acquire these magical powers that all of a sudden they start winning, and their team becomes more bonded. And nice. Um, yeah, they have like these little powers and stuff. That um, movie, that movie reminds me of another uh, flick starring Robert Townsend and every other African American actor I could imagine, called Meteor Man. Meteor Man, oh dude, that movie was that movie was awesome. Yeah, not what you're talking about. I can't really remember that movie. I know I've seen it a bunch of times, but I can't I remember mean, it. Like, just think of like it's been years. think of Barbershop or pretty much anything Tyler Perry makes, and that's what that's what Meteor Man was. But like in '93. Or gotcha. something like that. Okay. You know, it was it was great. I mean, it was a yeah. I need to really see that. Good. Maybe we can three movie goes that. We should three movie goes <laughs> meteor man. That would be so awesome. Uh, I would love it, dude. I would love it. We I should. We'll talk to Martin about this uh, <laughs> on like Friday or something like that. We'll talk uh, to him. Yeah. Nice. So we're we're actually cross referencing um, another podcast we're on where we go see films. Um, and then we kind of uh, pull out some interesting aspects of the movie, walk you through the film, and have cool, interesting things that we all learn about yeah. the movies. So it's, it's called Three and Movie Goes. Yeah. Uh, typically, episodes will come out on Sundays. Not every Sunday, but every, typically yeah. on Sundays. Um, so go check it out. We yeah. just did The Martian. The Martian was yeah, a great one. it was cool. Uh, with Ben Affleck. Just kidding. Uh, oh, with Matthew Demont. Matthew Demont. I want to leave everybody <laughs> just with this little thought. You know, uh, a, a bill was just voted on in the House of Representatives that would defund Planned Parenthood for a year. It's one of the stipulations on this bill. I don't know everything else that's in the bill, but the thing that most people are focusing on right now is that it completely cuts out government funding for Planned Parenthood for a year. It's a big deal. The thing to listen, the thing to think about, whenever this episode comes out, look back on the day that the Senate either voted for it or against it, and the day that Obama vetoed or didn't veto it. Look at what else happens in the world on those days. Look at what everybody is not going to be looking at. Let's see, let's see if we can pick out what event or what thing 
went undetected because yeah. everybody's freaking out over Planned Parenthood, which I understand. It's it's something to to pay attention to and and freak out over in in an appropriate way, but. If they want us looking at Planned Parenthood so badly, there are other things that are going to be going on that they don't want us looking at. So that's my that's my challenge to everybody who is now hearing this. Go back in time to to those moments where Planned Parenthood is, you know, has its fate ultimately decided and see what else was ultimately decided without us knowing. Yep. So, um, I don't know. I you mean, any, that's any, any closing little. Uh, I mean, nugs no. Right. I mean, you know, the only closing thought I would have is you're damn right. I mean, whenever there's these big voting days, uh, seems that the media likes to distract the public away with some sort of spectacle. So, yeah. ultimately, I think that's what you're saying is see, let's see what kind of charades are going to go on because uh, that's what's been going on. So, hopefully, not. Hopefully, people do step up and. I mean, let's just be done. Let's just, this is getting old. Like, how long are we going to continue acting like babies? You so. know, but you know why, you know why everybody doesn't think they it's old? They are you, acting like babies. You know why everybody doesn't think it's old, though? Because the population switches out. Like, it, it, it rotates. Yeah. You know, that's the beauty of having uh, an elite in which you've got all these families that that have been the same families for generations and generations and generations. They can keep them their stories straight. But all the rest of us, like with everything that changes and how frequently it changes and the fact that people only live 75 some odd years and then it, the whole population just is is replenished. and re, So it's very easy. It's They're very easy business, for people to forget that these things continually go on. In the business of creating disposable people. Well... I don't know. I don't know if they're in the business of creating disposable people so much as creating disposable scenarios in which to shove. My father built a farm. People. A farm for people. He's just he's this billionaire. He's just in his helicopter telling you this from a phone. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You're saying it. That's people feel ownership over humanity in sick ways. So. Well, you're that's that's something I can't really wrap my brain around, but I don't doubt that it's true. You it's know, happening. it's, it's, it's weird. So Boople. yeah, you well, yeah. Um, don't get overwhelmed people. Well, you know, it's one of those things. All we can do is just spread the information that we come across and hopefully there's enough people out there that are dying to just, I don't know. People want freedom and freedom is knowledge and motherfuckers. I want knowledge. So yeah, exactly. Knowledge is freedom. Sorry, I didn't mean to be like that. No, that's okay. You guys at home aren't motherfuckers. I wasn't talking about Knowledge is freedom. Freedom is power. It was like I was guns a-blazing. And what we've got is not freedom. Yeah, yeah. You're in some (laughs) Quentin Tarantino. No, like freaking like intergalactic kind of like. Oh, yeah. Superhero-y kind of shit. I'm in it for the knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice. Uh, But yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, We're like looking at the Periscope because we know there's more people. We are. Yeah, we're going to just cut this whole thing off at the head and uh, and say for this week on Hi Dare, I'm Ian. And I'm Joe. And uh, Big bucks, no whammy, stop. Stop it, oh. We We got to go. Follow us on Twitter at high underscore dare. And be sure to check us out online at enterthealftree.com for all you old school dot comers. <laughs> <laughs>